Welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. I'm Salim Sutterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Shula Jr. Hey, Edward, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, we were just talking about uh, how the All-Star game is tonight as, as of this recording, and we're just kind of, it's something to watch, even though we haven't really been for it, but it should be at least a little bit entertaining, but I'm good, and uh, hopefully we get to see some Bulls basketball uh, later this week after the All-Star game. How about you? Good, good. You know, we had a interesting week with the Bulls themselves. That tough loss against Denver mm. was, you know, another close-fought battle. Uh, just no answer for the Joker. You know, that guy's pretty much unguardable, I think. It's just one of those situations. And I know, like, there was a whole um, clip going around on and from uh, TNT uh, NBA uh, inside the NBA where they're talking about how to defend him in the pick and roll and the way there's, there's the shooters all around him. And if you, you can't just, you know, double down on him because of, because of his passing game. And then if you leave him on a single coverage, he'll kill you there. <laughs> so it's just kind of that situation where the Bulls, I mean, we saw what happened. He, he had a monster game against us, and he's been doing that all season. And then I think against the Pelicans, I mean, we got the win. But again, we had those fourth quarter uh, you know, setback again a little bit where they almost came back, made a big run, and were almost able to you know kind of make it you know a little a little scary for the Bulls and kind of you know and just at least challenge them and and try to steal that win. But at least the Bulls were able to hold off. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 been tough for this team closing out games, but uh, one bright side is I've been thankful that we've been seeing. It, it feels like Kobe White having better games more notable games has been happening more recently so that's been a plus of like the recent stretch of games no 100 percent, and i think that's that's the most uh encouraging i guess we should say is kobe at least having a little more consistency because again we're taking that role away from him of being the lead ball handler um and then we'll see i guess what ak does i mean this the trade deadline's on the 25th, so I think he has, you know, two, three weeks, three weeks here, I think, to really decide, you know, what he can add to this roster. And, and it seems like, I think when we, you know, heard his press conference that he had with the media, it seems like he's not going to be looking to sell. Um, he's going to try to add, and I think the, the, the key line that he had that made me convinced that he's trying to add to this team is he called teams delusion delusional for thinking they could still make you know the play-in game he flat out was very like you know um blunt about it and it seems like he was frustrated that he couldn't you know get some of these teams to try to you know talk about um making a trade with them yeah it's it's gonna be interesting to show you that line i think i i don't want to get too you know, riled up one way or another about like any like particular names that keep coming out. Like I think Andre Drummond was floated out this week and a lot of people were kind of confused about that one. And I, to me, I feel like that's just going to be one of those scenarios that was probably mildly entertained, but I don't think it's something that they're prioritizing trying to do. So just trying not to get too high and too low on what trickles out in the next few weeks with the trade deadline, but it should be interesting one way or another. Yeah, yeah, the Drummond one, I mean, Drummond doesn't really do anything for us uh, personally. Um, I feel like, you know, defensively, I think he's overrated. 
Um, as a team, as far as rebounding, he's a good defensive rebounder. But the Bulls, I mean, it's been hammered home that we're what second in the league in defensive rebounding percentage. So we rebound well as a group. So we don't really need him. And I and I know people will say like, oh, well, let's trade Otto. Obviously, Otto is not doing anything. So if you just flip him and a second for Drummond, that's not really you know hurting us. But I mean, I, I feel like I rather. I would rather personally see if Otto can get healthy because he's more valuable addition than adding Drummond, I feel like, if that were to happen. Now, obviously, hoping that Otto, excuse me, my mouth got a little dry there, but hoping that Otto can stay healthy, it's a different argument. Um, but and in general, I mean, if I'm going to trade Otto, I'd rather try to see if I can swing it for you know, a playmaker somewhere on, on the wings. Or uh, uh, adding someone like maybe a veteran guard or something like that as well, but like the Andre Drummond scenario just doesn't make sense as for me as I'm watching this team and seeing what the needs are. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'd much rather have Otto Porter, but I, I guess if they were looking at that deal, they were trying to see if Cleveland would be able to send them a draft as asset back in return for taking Drummond. But other than that, I just don't. I, I don't think that's. I, I think that's something that just kind of leaked for. Cleveland to show people that they might be more interested so they don't have to worry about buying them out and they can trade them but I, I don't see anything happen from the Bulls then but hey you never know yeah yeah we'll see but yeah you know as we get into our show today we're we're gonna switch it up a little bit here where uh, I figured it'd be interesting to talk about uh, a lot of sports betting that's been happening obviously with or uh, around the all different sports but in particular obviously we're uh, a Bulls podcast, so I figured it'd be good to talk about uh, NBA sports betting. And with our guest that we have on, he's also very good with the draft, so we'll get his thoughts on that as well. Uh, so let's bring our guest in, uh, Michael Walton for the uh, Action Network. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, guys, how's it going? And I uh, just want to say thank you so much for having me back on. I feel like it's been way too long. I'm always watching the pod. You guys have definitely been crushing it lately and the bulls have too so it's definitely fitting and uh definitely excited to be on so thanks again guys yeah no doubt always love talking to you michael about the draft and looking forward to talking to you about what's going on on action network and some of the uh like i, I feel like gam I, I don't gamble but it's always interesting looking at spreads and looking at the action that takes place and just seeing how it's increasingly becoming a part of just mainstream sports these days and how accessible it is for just anyone to do so yeah it's definitely becoming really really big um definitely now ironically you know a lot of people looking for something to do some light entertainment a, a way to make the games a little bit more fun some people are more serious trying to make a big buck and you know look for a good value um obviously if you're here in chicago you know illinois has legal sports betting for the most part so that's been pretty awesome for me and, and everyone around but um i think i forgot to message salim i was gonna say uh, we're definitely going to talk about some sports betting stuff, but don't feel too pressured because I don't get to talk about Bulls basketball as often <laughs> as I would like all the time. So I'm definitely excited to uh, dish about how great the team's been looking this year. But yeah, it's it's definitely been a been a fun year and a fun season so far. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's been exciting to watch this team um, to kind of see how they're doing as far as uh, staying competitive in games. And the development of, you know, certain aspects of, of, of the team, obviously Zach Levine being the biggest surprise, uh, I would say nobody saw as 
I, w- I would argue, like, I don't know if people will say, well, you know, I always believed in Zach, but I, I doubt anyone saw him coming out, putting up, like, essentially scoring numbers that re- reveled uh, Steph Curry when he won unanimous MVP. <laughs> yeah. You know, nobody saw that coming. So that that itself, it's just shocking and seeing that big jump that he took. And I feel like my person, I don't know how where you are at Michael, but I'm I'm saying is like, you know, every year I've doubted Zach thinking, you know, he's kind of reached his sort of his peak, not necessarily like he's not gonna I, I just didn't feel like he's gonna be taking another big jump. Uh and coming into the season, I'm like, you know what, this kid's probably still what two years away from his from prime. His prime. He's, he's still, still going to get, get be- a much better than where he, where he's currently at. Like, he's still refined parts of his game. What are your thoughts in that regards? Yeah, for me, um, with Levine, you know, um, I don't want to be too dramatic, but I think it's very clear around the league he's proved this year. Um, you know, if, if you say it's too strong to call him a player you can build a contending team around, um, then it's, a, it's at the very least not too strong to say – He's a player who can be a major focal point on a winning team. Um, and to some people that may seem like it's not a strong enough statement, but that's a pretty big deal. I would say in league circles, just because the prevailing thought has been Zach Levine is this guy with incredible work ethic, incredible athleticism, big time score, but you know, is going to bleed too many points on defense and isn't enough of a playmaker. doesn't see the game at a high enough uh, level on the floor to really make an impact, uh, you know, besides changing the game for himself this year. Zach Levine is posting a career-high assist percentage. Um, I think he's getting an assist last time I checked around like 23% um, of his possessions. So point here is that Levine's actively looking for the pass more. Um, You'll occasionally see the random night where Zach Levine has, you know, 10 assists. Um, Obviously, I believe that only happened once this season. It was a weird game where he had 10 points and 10 assists. But the general point is Levine's looking to pass more. And he's making great reads, which you haven't seen a lot. He still has the turnover issue, but the fact that he's looking the pass, and then he's also stepped up his efficiency somehow while still maintaining such a high usage rate. You know, he's kind of entering, I mean, you already mentioned, you know, Steph Curry, but he's entering that James Harden-ish role and territory now. Um, sort of like when Harden first got to Houston with the Rockets, where everything is running through Levine, and you can clearly make a consistent and like effective offense with him you know carrying the load so I think Levine's proven he's a big time player this year um the all-star spot is deserved and I think he's gonna make um a lot more throughout his career I could be wrong but I think that's just where this is heading and um yeah I think the Bulls have pretty much a no trade asset right now um and Zach Levine and that's why one of my favorite things to do is definitely make fun of any reporter rumor (laughs) um linking Zach Levine to a trade because it's just not gonna happen his value is just too high um considering the contract and if you go to Bulls Confidential, um, Ryan Borja did a great article about what it's going to take to re-sign Levine to a long-term deal. And it's amazing. He's outplayed his value so much, he really still isn't going to get um, you know, what he's worth when he re-signs. So the guy is a superstar, and I think you know, he, he's just not going to get traded. So, yeah, he, he definitely has proven that he's an elite player this season. Yeah, I, I still haven't seen – a theoretical Zach Levine trade that I would do. And if I have, I can't remember what it was. So it it just speaks volumes to the fact that if the Bulls ever did try to trade him, they're probably not going to get what people think they, they, he's, he's worth in a trade. So untouchable, no, but 
you're not looking to trade him by any means unless you just get a king's ransom at this point. So with that said, uh, what do you make of just how encouraging the Bulls future looks right now? I mean, granted, we came into the season, things seemed, you know, a, a little questionable because we're still trying to figure out what some players can and cannot do. But it feels like we've gotten more answers about that. And as we've always already talked about, we know Zach Levine is a really good player. We know he's an all-star level player and he's someone that the team can build with or around. And when you look at that, you look at the improved coaching, you look at the improved front office, you look at some players in Patrick Williams and Kobe White who are, are getting better, I think, uh, each game. Like me and uh, Celine were just talking about how Kobe White is having more notable games and he's still really young. So th- there's some yeah. good young talent here. And it feels like when you combine all of that together and you're playing in a market like Chicago, this team could be really interesting going forward. And we talked a lot about changing the narrative. And it seems like this team is in that process of kind of lifting off those blemishes that they've had over the last few years and actually being a team that some players may want to have on their list to play for. Yeah. And I mean, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I hate to go ahead and try to plug myself already, but on, on my podcast, which is called Bullshit uh, with Chicago comedian Peter Bonello, we kind of discussed this, which is, uh, you know, it's okay for Bulls fans. We can all breathe a sigh of relief um, as Bulls Nation. The team is really good. And I think the future is really, you know, without trying to be, you know, overdoing it, one of the best outlooks in the league. Um, and, I'll, and I'll just quickly explain. Billy Donovan, obviously going to be a coach of the year candidate. Um, especially if the Bulls are, you know, in that playoff contention, clearly like they look like they will be. He's an excellent coach. Um, I didn't know the Bulls are going to be going after Billy. I think most people considered it an out of left field hire, but him and Karnaschova seem to be in lockstep on their plans for the Bulls. So I think first, the fact that Karnaschova's nailed the GM hire with Eversley and nailed the head coaching hire with Billy Donovan, unlike Garpax, you know, you can know, you can trust at least for the most part, Um, the front office is going to be making decisions for the Bulls. So that's the first part of it. The second part is when you look at the Bulls' contracts and the outlook, the flexibility is honestly (laughs) mind-boggling. And again, this is credit to Ryan Borja, who is our salary cap expert at Bulls Confidential for sort of pointing it out to me. But there's a lot of directions they can go in. And the main thing here is Lowry Marketing is the only player that you really have a big, tough decision because obviously he's a restricted free agent. We already know it's been kind of tough for them to negotiate. They haven't come to an agreement. But outside of Lowry, Levine seems to love Chicago. And you can re-sign him for the top dollar because, as I said, for Levine, because he's only making 19 mil, the top dollar for him may be like 30, I don't know, 5 mil, where you look around the league and guys are making $43 million. So Levine's going to be on a great deal even once he gets a huge raise. And whether or not you keep marketing, Everyone else is a young player on a reasonable, excuse me, still rookie deal. Um, You'll have Carter coming up soon. Otto Porter is probably gone. And Garrett Temple, you know, you can bring him back. And just to touch on some other vets, Thomas Sadoransky and Thad Young are both on non-guaranteed deals, I believe, um, for this upcoming season. So, you know, the Bulls, if they wanted to go young or keep those guys, you can sort of go flexible there. So, I'm not sure, you know, again, I would definitely recommend reading Ryan's article at Bulls Confidential because I'm not sure the max cap space that the Bulls can create. I think that would 
you know, involve relinquishing Thad Young and Markkinen. But the general point here is Markkinen is the only big decision right now because you can just assume they're going to keep Levine long-term. And after that, you're just talking about building a good team around some guys you've already seen had talent. Um, and like you guys mentioned, you know, Edward and Celine, you guys said Kobe's extremely young. Patrick Young at 19 is probably probably one of the best prospects in the league. And realistically, I know a lot of people who don't watch every game don't see it, but Patrick Young is the Bulls' best prospect, um, probably by a pretty wide margin, just because of his age. So everything's looking good with the Bulls, and I really think you just need to start thinking about what uh, what young veterans fit this team. Because I think you're past the point where you're thinking about the draft too, too much. Um, you're still scouting, obviously, but I think you want to start looking at those guys who are 25, 26, 27, because you want to start, you know, competing in the postseason every year. So um, it's tough to say if the Bulls are ever going to, you know, the toughest part is putting together the finishing touches to make a team that can win a title that can be a contender like that. But I think Bulls fans at least want to be back to the Tom Thibodeau, D. Rose years where there is a consistent playoff team every year. And at the very least, I think it's very clear we're, we're heading at least there to start. Well, speaking of the draft, uh, Obviously, the Bulls early in the season, you know, Edward and myself and a lot of other Bulls fans maybe had some pipe dreams of Cade Cunningham, maybe Jalen Shuggs, obviously Evan Mobley. But now that is obviously not going to happen unless somehow they miss, you know, they get super lucky and um, are not able to qualify for the playoffs and jump into that top four. But right now they're probably projected and in, in, in that maybe that the middle of the draft or late lottery, I would say, uh, what are some guys that you look at? We're looking at the bulls needs or in general in that area that you think would be a good fit for the bulls. Yeah. Um, it's tough because as, as you already touched on this, Liam, um, with the bulls this year, they're in, you know, the most unique spot in the league right now, which is for those teams that are now too good to be among the worst teams in the league but definitely not good enough to be a for sure playoff team. Um, so the Bulls look like they'll be heading to the play-in tournament, maybe, you know, as one of those nine, 10 seats, uh, or they could be again in the lottery. So um, I think you really the one thing that you know for certain, um, and I'm glad we're touching on this because I'm actually working on an article for Bulls Confidential about this very subject, but the Bulls basically should be looking point guard. Um, I think we're at the point now where you can look for specific positional fit uh, you know, rather than best player available, which I usually find myself never saying. But I think the Bulls have enough lottery picks. They have enough talent um, to where now you can really look for a fit. Kobe White, I still believe in. I've become a Kobe White believer this year. His assist to turnover ratio is over two, so he's showing some playmaking skills. But that's still, I think, where you want to look because I don't think you really want to keep Sadoransky um, long-term. I personally wouldn't want to keep Sadoransky next season just because I want Kobe um, to get the reins more and then another young point guard behind him. So some guys I would be looking at, um, obviously just for starters, if, if the Bulls were in the lottery and they got lucky and got the number one pick or number two pick, obviously it would be awesome to get Cade Cunningham, um, who I think undisputed easily is going to be number one point guard, six, eight from Oklahoma state um, or Jalen Suggs, who's a point guard from undefeated Gonzaga used to be one of the top quarterback prospects in high school, very physical kid. Either one of those guys are franchise point guards who would pair excellently with Zach Levine. Bulls would be on a, you know, elite path. But if we're realistically talking about the guys, the Bulls would be looking at, I'm going to throw out just some quick names. Uh, Jaden Springer, 
is a very good name. He's a very physical athletic point guard out of Kentucky, uh, excuse me, out of Tennessee. Um, everyone on Tennessee's team is very athletic and fast. So if you watch them, uh, it is a very entertaining experience. I'm not really high on Springer with the Bulls because, again, he doesn't seem like a true point. So I'll just go ahead and throw out the, the four, three, four guys that I think are the most important for what the Bulls will be looking for and where they'll be slated. Sharif Cooper is a point guard from Auburn who's made a lot of noise, a little undersized for an NBA player, but I think it's clear that he's going to be an awesome passer, going to be one of the better passers in the league, and I think he'll be a great backup point guard for a long time. Uh, he's averaging just under nine assists per 36 minutes. So Sharif Cooper, really big playmaker. Um, Deshaun Nix is a 6'5 point guard on the G League Ignite team. Very intriguing, uh, very great vision. But, you know, he's 6'5", but he, you know, frankly gained a lot of weight um, coming into the G League Ignite program. Looks extremely out of shape. Again, this is a kid who's coming from high school, so there's a lot, you know, he would have to work on his body. But the fact that the G League Ignite made the playoffs with him playing a decent role, and I believe he was averaging about seven assists per 36 minutes. Um, Deshaun Nix is a guy the Bulls will be looking at at a low first round, early second round, because the G League Ignite team was just full of, talented, talented elite high school prospects. And he's a guy that could end up being a nice backup point guard. Um, finally, I just want to touch on to end here, the two guys I like the most for the Bulls, assuming they're not a lottery team or a late lottery team. Uh, Jared Butler, um, college basketball fans know that name instantly. You probably don't if you don't watch college basketball, but he's the ju a junior point guard, um, starter for Baylor. Excellent, excellent player. Really physical, plays defense, your classic veteran college point guard, um, except he can actually really, really dominate defensively, averages 2.2 steals a game, and he's an excellent three-point shooter. So he's a guy that you could play in a Patrick Beverly role next to Zach Levine. So Jared Butler from Baylor, and then a name I know lots of Chicago people know, Io Desunmu. Um, I am unbelievably high on Io Desunmu. I don't think he's going to win National Player of the Year, but he should have a real shot. Um, he's the point guard for the Univer er, University of Illinois. Um, big, long, physical point guard uh, who I think is going to make some noise in the NBA. He's six foot five. Also, is going to be excellent defensively. And as an added bonus, he went to Morgan Park High School. Um, we know how Chicago fans love their hometown kids, but I think Desumu is a guy who fits because what you're looking for in a point guard is a guy who's going to be a positive assist to turnover player and a guy who defensively is really going to fit well next to Levine. So. There's a lot of point guard depth in this draft um, if you're down to take a slightly older prospect than we usually are accustomed to talking about. Yeah, I like those. Uh, I like those suggestions that you uh, just mentioned. I like Jared Butler. That would be a really good pick. And Sharif Cooper is somebody who, I mean, the more I read about, he definitely seems really encouraging. You mentioned Deshaun Nix. And one thing I wanted to ask you about is, and, and this is one of the reasons why this draft is so interesting, is because there are three players from the G League who could be drafted pretty high in this draft, especially when you're looking at uh, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. So I wanted to get your take on what seems to be the increased presence of the NBA G League now in 
what is probably going to impact you know this draft and future drafts because now we're actually paying attention to G League games. We're seeing these young players come in and they're playing against competition that seems more meaningful than a, a college game. So it, it seems like when you're watching someone like Jalen Green, uh, you know, showcase his repertoire, and you see someone like uh, Jonathan Kaminga showing you what he can do, it feels like just more impactful in terms of an evaluation. So. And I've also read uh, like some rumors that maybe Amani Bates may be headed to the G League as well. So, I mean, that would be another significant grab. So what do you think about the increased presence of the NBA G League in these drafts and what it can mean for the league going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome. It's funny. I, I laughed a little to myself there, Edward, when you said uh, people are now watching the G League. I'm like, oh, man, I'm a little offended. You guys know I am a G League nerd, and I have been watching for years, however long it's been around. Um, shout out to the Windy City Bulls, one of my biggest internships. I always love talking about the G League. So um, G League is great because, again, you're playing against guys who are either either elite D1 players or solid D1 players at some point or NBA guys. So they're still – a big difference in the game to where scouting college has its advantages. But the reason I love G League, besides the fact that it's just more scouting, you get to see these kids play at an NBA speed. Um, And unfortunately, that's something that you just can't replicate at the college level. Maybe when you get to March Madness, that Sweet 16 Elite 8 level, you're going to see a lot of that speed. But when you're playing in the G League, everyone's playing that fast. These guys have all been playing organized basketball that long and no one's taking it easy on you or even cares or knows who you are <laughs> because you're playing against guys, again, who at some point were two-time All-Americans and have played, you know, won three titles in Russia and just trying to feed their families. So um, it's great to see them in this environment. It's a really sink-or-swim environment. My only issue is the fact that it's one team, so there are some guys that you don't even get to see. Um, Principal Singh isn't really worth mentioning, but he's an Indian prospect who was part of their international program not at all really ready for this sort of spotlight so he doesn't play. But again, if you had more than one G League Ignite team, maybe you could at least do the sink or swim thing with a guy like that too, where you could see him play. So it has its disadvantages because they have to play the vets um, like Amir Johnson and Jared Jack just to add some structure to it. But this program is really going to take off if they ever add more than one Ignite type team where you have a lot of those elite high school guys Um, Obviously, you guys saw Overtime is launching their own high school league. So the G League definitely caught a lot of people's attention. Um, I think it's going to be successful because most of these guys are going to get drafted. I think there's one guy who may get undrafted and everyone else will go at the very least second rounder into first. Um, So I think it's good. So just to touch back to Deshaun Nix really quickly, because I mentioned him as someone, you know, if the Bulls were an excellent team and had like a later first round pick. I would look at him because my only issue with him was that he was extremely out of shape. And so, you know, rather that was like eating habits, something else, you know, him not caring or just legitimately his physique and it's, you know, not completely his fault. That's something where pro teams now got to see him in a pro environment. They got to see that, you know, with Deshaun Nix, you need to get him in the gym and and work with a trainer on his body. But as far as a player, Um, The guy played 27 minutes a game and averaged basically eight, five and five. So you saw a player who could do a little bit of everything, who clearly is a talented passer, but he shot terribly and pretty much was awful from everywhere except the free throw line. So he has the makings of a true point guard and he's not ready for NBA speed, but he's a guy you draft, you stick him on your G League team 
And who knows? I think in a year or two, you could have a guy who's a starter level player. And that, <coughs> excuse me, and that just gives you more versatility. Rather, you want to keep him around or trade him. So I think the big thing about this program is it gives us a chance to see these guys at an NBA speed, which is only valuable for that, you know, that top 5%, whatever you want to call it. But those are the guys that are going to be thinking about the G League, like you, like you mentioned, guys, guys like, uh, or excuse me, like you mentioned, Edward, guys like Amani Bates. So the reason this program is excellent is because it gives us a chance to sort of see an accelerated development path for those top guys. And because of it, you have a guy like Jonathan Kuminga, who I know a lot about Kuminga sort of heading into this program, but seeing him against these players and how good he's looked, I think I would take Kuminga with the top three, you know, top four pick without hesitation after seeing him in the G League Ignite program. I would not have said that if he played college basketball, and that's just being honest. So I definitely think this program has been a pretty big success so far. So can you tell me a little bit more about this Indian prospect? Because – I've been like dying to have an Indian player in the NBA <laughs> for such a long time because I mean, obviously I'm Indian, so that 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 get, gets me hyped. It's like, whoa, this guy, there could be an Indian guy in the NBA. There, I think there was two in the past uh, that got drafted, but they never went anywhere. Um, I, well, one, yeah, he un, undrafted. I think he went undrafted and then uh, the Kings drafted someone in the second round, but again, it was another big guy that didn't go anywhere. So, uh, yeah, can you, can you tell me a little bit more about uh, about this Indian prospect? Yeah, so um, I, uh, you know, first of all, apologies to any big fans of his if I'm butchering his name, because like I said, I, I know the smallest amount about him, but basically Principal Singh, um, he's six foot nine, so he's not like the usual, you know, international prospect where they're saying he's like eight feet tall or something. He's a six foot nine guy. Um, he played center a little bit, but he has like some loose. It looks like maybe the ability to handle the ball one day. So maybe there could be some combo forward potential. But to be honest, this guy's basically like a blank slate. Um, but he's six foot nine. They picked him up because at the under 16 championship, uh, he was an MVP back in the day. I believe it was like 2017. He had some dominant games, but Essentially, the guy has some like ball skills. He's 20 years old. And the one thing I do know is he was in uh, the NBA Global Academy. And so, you know, he, he's had some good training and coaching already. Um, but I believe for the G League Ignite, he's playing like four or five minutes a game where he's literally checking in the Scalabrini role at the end of game. So we haven't really got a chance to see him play. And that's why I mentioned if you had more than one team, uh, maybe you could let a guy like him play 20 minutes a game on a different team where – you know, he, he probably isn't going to be very good, honestly. He's going to be getting dominated. But for his development, he would need that. Um, where it's not helping him, I don't think, as much to just be sitting on the bench, you know, watching Jalen Green and Kaminga. But I understand, you know, it's not helping the team win games to play him. And the team did just make the G League playoffs um, a few days ago, or I believe yesterday, actually. And so, uh, you know, while I want Principal Singh to get some more minutes, I definitely understand. But it's exciting because, again, the program is great because all these guys are getting guaranteed money um, for participating. So that's a bonus. And then after this, a guy like principal Singh, he's still going to be in the G league after this is all over. So who's to say, like you said, the Sacramento Kings or a rebuilding team might not pick him up and give him a chance. So um, yeah, I hope he sticks around, but yeah, it's definitely been really fun to watch the team, man. I've been enjoying the games for sure. Hey man, Amir Johnson called him a workhorse. So <laughs> it, it could be, it could be, uh, 
Could be something developing there. You never know. Hey, I trust Amir Johnson, man. He just had a game where he shot a 12 of 12 from the field, I'm pretty sure. So he's he's trying to earn a contract himself down there. So shout out to Amir Johnson. I'm glad he got a got a brief mention here. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe this kick can develop and maybe be like, you know, even the end of a bench, like a 15th guy. If he can just stick on a roster, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, and I mean, to, with his background, you know, where he's from and to really pick up basketball and, and think he can run with it. Like you said, being a 15th man on an NBA roster, you know, that's a dream come true for this kid. To even make it this far has been really awesome to watch for him. So I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on him. Yeah. One more question for me on the draft. March Madness is in about two weeks. I think it starts March 18th. Do you have any predictions for a player who may not who, who may not be like in the top half of the lottery or may even be kind of outside that you think is actually going to pick up ground through their performance in the uh, NCAA tournament tournament? Oh man, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, this has been such a weird year, obviously with uh, scouting because of COVID-19 teams haven't had full rosters Guys have been out. Games have, games have been postponed and canceled um, at the last minute. So I would say, you know, really, I, I can't predict right now who's even going to make the tournament at the lower levels because, again, it's been such a wacky season. But I can definitely give some names. Like, just for instance, um, you know, Jalen Suggs is an elite guy who probably doesn't need much help. But just because Gonzaga is undefeated and so overwhelmingly the favorite to win the title – um, if they do have like a classic Bill Walton, John Wooden, UCLA type run where they just dominate the entire tournament and sweep through the field. Um, I think there's no chance anyone other than Cade Cunningham should go number one. But if Gonzaga absolutely dominates the field in this tournament with Suggs looking awesome, I think there's a chance you could see his stock shoot so high that he does become the number one pick in the draft. Um, because GMs can always convince themselves on athletic point guards. And he is actually that good. Though, again, nobody but Cunningham, <laughs> Kate Cunningham, should be number one. Um, outside of that, I'd mention, um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with James Booknight from UConn. Uh, he is a very interesting guard. Um, anyone from UConn obviously always has people's attention because they can have that Kimba Walker moment if they can get UConn to go on a run. Um, but he's a different type of player than, than Kimba. He's a six foot five guard, very athletic. Um, he's a wiry guy. He can really score in a hurry and rebound. Not exactly someone you think of as a playmaker. Um, but I think again, he can turn a lot of heads in the tournament if UConn makes some noise. Uh, another guy I'd like to mention is Zaire Williams, a small forward from Stanford who was actually getting connected to the Bulls a lot early in the season. Um, he's kind of an excellent all around player, great IQ, surprising ball handling skills. Um, for a guy who is as tall as he is at six foot eight with a long wingspan. So if Stanford somehow, again, if they make the tournament, I think Zaire Williams is the name to keep an eye on. Um, outside of that, it's really just going to be those guards. So I'd say Zaire Williams from Stanford, James Booknight uh, from UConn. And then also I mentioned earlier, Jaden Springer from Tennessee. Um, you have to keep an eye on Jaden Springer just because Tennessee's so good. And though I don't think he's really like a true point guard, he's 18 years old. You know, he's a freshman who comes from IMG Academy. So he's been playing high level basketball for a long time. Um, he's an absolute dog on defense. You know, he, he tries really hard, though he fouls a little bit too much. But the thing that intrigues me 
Um, if you guys are getting the way I'm describing Jaden Springer, you know, he's that athletic ball of energy, both sides of the ball type player. But you look at his three point percentage this year and it's 47 percent, um, which is ridiculous, but on a very limited number of attempts. Um, but he's shooting 80 percent from the free throw line. So what I'm getting at with 47 percent from three and 80 percent from free throw, if he can actually maintain that kind of shooting in the tournament against high level competition, um, I think Jaden Springer could shoot up draft boards for the fact that he is a freshman um, and we know how important that is when it comes to the draft. So definitely keep an eye on Jaden Springer as well from Tennessee. Excellent. Excellent. So yeah, let's, let's get into a little bit about the, 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 the betting side here. Um, obviously football has been kind of like the undisputed king of sports betting, but basketball is kind of getting next in line, if you will, for the throne. Uh, NBA has always been kind of popular with casual fans, but the success of daily sports, uh, fantasy sports and the sweeping like legislation, uh, of sports betting kind of taking over all across the U.S. and and the world really has taken NBA betting to like another level, you know, in recent years. Uh, obviously, with a lot of the different things going on with, you know, Adam uh, Silver as far as getting, you know, in favor of legalized sports betting, he's been a very a kind of a champion of that and, and trying to promote it. Uh, what what are some tips I guess you can give for like maybe a beginner is trying to get into uh, with 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 sports betting and and the NBA and betting on different games and things like that? Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, it, it's been very fun. Adam Silver has been you know a, a big supporter for basketball betting especially, but um, in general, you know, I will be a company man first and definitely say you guys should download the Action Network app. Um, because there's a lot of great tools in there and you can actually track your bets, which is always cool to sort of track your action and have your friends sort of see how things are going. They can tail your bets and see what you're betting. So you don't even have to tell them. They can just see what you're up to and sort of follow what you're doing. Um, but really the, the general advice I would give people is, you know, what I kind of do at the action network, which is definitely look for the trends. Um, you know, I understand if you're not trying to spend hours pouring through <laughs> some data, if you just want to bet five bucks on the game. But generally what I mean is just how teams are playing lately. Um, you know, something I would say any, you know, at least average experience basketball better. You're going to look at how the team's playing over the last five games, you know, over the last 10 games. Um, injury report is a must. Everyone's doing that, you know, first thing before <laughs> you bet anything, you got to know who's playing. But that, that last five to 10 games thing is really important. And more than looking at if a team's winning or losing, um, obviously it depends on what you're betting, but the standard thing and what I love to bet is the spread. So you're looking at how much a team is losing by, um, which with NBA basketball is very easy to track between point differentials and net ratings and all those things. But what I'm getting at just in a, in a layman's term sense is you look for trends. Um, for instance, if you see over a, a five game stretch, uh, the Bulls lost all five games, but they lost to two of the best teams in the West and they lost every game by an average of seven points. Um, you know, that tells you what the Bulls are sticking around. They're hanging in games under double digits with good teams, uh, which is a real thing. We've seen that a lot this year. And though, you know, I'm a homer, so I would probably bet on the Bulls anyway. <laughs> uh, the Bulls have realistically been one of the best teams to bet on this season and one of my favorite. And that's because of the presence of Billy Donovan. Um, and so when I say look for those tr betting trends, you see the Bulls have been losing a lot, but they've been losing close games. And I believe they have the most clutch time minutes in the league. I could be off, but they've been in a ton of those clutch moments. And I know Levine leads the league in clutch time points. Um, so again, Bulls are playing in a lot of close games. 
Uh, and because of that, they're doing great against the spread because for some reason, Vegas hasn't shifted to respecting the Bulls to be as good as they are yet. Um, maybe that will change the second half of the season. But the Bulls, based off of the you know train wreck we saw last season under Jim Boylan, um, are always very heavily you know underdogs against great teams or even a team like the Phoenix Suns that are emerging as a great team. You know, the Bulls, I believe, were, I think, like nine and a half point underdogs or something against them. So this season, the Bulls have been one of the best teams against the spread. They've been 19-4-1, and one, uh, excuse me, 19-14-1 and one against the spread. So essentially, very big winning percentage. Um, but as I told you to keep an eye on the trends, a very easy thing to look at is how a team plays on the road versus how a team plays at home. Um, you can choose how you want to slice that in terms of points or their record. I would just look at the record and the bulls this season are actually 12 and four against the spread on the road and seven and 10 against the spread at home. So the bulls are performing better against the spread on the road. And that's usually because as a road underdog, they're, you know, heavily, heavily favored to lose. Um, if they're going on the road to take on the Lakers, for instance, you know, they might be 12 point underdogs, but we know the bulls aren't that bad anymore. They're going to keep a game, you know, within eight or nine points, even against the lead opponents, uh, with the way Billy Donovan is coaching this team now. So, um, I guess simple advice will be bet on the bulls, (laughs) uh, but in all seriousness, always keep an eye on those trends because you might find value, um, where you least expect it because timing is everything. Um, I know we're talking about NBA right now, but, you know, I love betting futures for championships. I bet on the University of Illinois to win the NCAA championship, I believe, a day um, after Ayo Desunmu broke his nose. Um, I believe the odds were great. It was like plus 2,000 odds. And then, of course, uh, without Desunmu, Illinois goes on the road, and I believe they beat the absolute crap out of Michigan. Um, After Illinois beat the crap out of Michigan, Vegas and odds and sports, you know, sports books obviously change their odds heavily. So now, you know, U of I, you can still get them to win the title, but at like plus 450 uh, rather than plus 2000. So what I'm getting at in layman's terms is just the fact that, you know, I bet U of I to beat the title because the got hurt. Books obviously make them a long shot. Then they go dominate without him. Everyone changes their opinion. And now, you know, you have a very good value bet because people expect Illinois to be a one seed now. And, um, you know, I, I got that value when they were expected to be an underdog. So the general point there is you always want to be sort of paying attention to those trends, because at that point, you don't even have to be, you know, checking the news every five minutes. It's just right before you're going to place some bets on something. Just check out last five, 10 games, who's been injured and how a team's been playing. And again, you're, you're always more than likely going to find yourself a nice little value. So looking at the Bulls' schedule, they they have I mean they have some they have some good wins, but they don't really have a win against a really really good team. I would say like I think their best wins are probably against uh, Dallas, uh, Portland. Yeah, was, Portland, right. yeah, Portland, Portland was a really there. yeah that was a good one, but. Coming up, they have some really tough games. I mean, after the All-Star break, they're starting right out against Philadelphia. And then, uh, I mean, they're going to close. They're going to close with a lot of uh, some games against some really good teams. So I mentioned that to say, are there any games on the schedule that you're looking at, not for spread, but for money line that you think the Bulls could actually pull off? Uh, yeah, for sure. And again, that kind of comes back to that 
injury report, uh, checking that either first thing in the morning or before you bet. Um, because down this stretch of the season, what you're going to see as teams start to separate themselves is you're going to see either stars start to get shut down uh, by their teams, or you'll see other teams ramp up their minutes, uh, like Miami, Jimmy Butler may be playing 42 minutes a night because Miami may be going all out to make sure they make the postseason. So you got to keep an eye on things like that. Um, but the games that I would be looking at the Bulls to win in terms of a money line situation, uh, you know, March 19th, they're at Denver. Um, at Denver, they're going to be pretty big underdogs, I'm assuming. Denver's been playing well. Jokic is an obvious MVP candidate. But as we've already seen, you know, the Bulls can hang tough with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they lost by six points in their most recent game. Levine only had 23 points. Um, Levine, you know, is very hard to keep under wraps. So I'm betting the next time the Bulls play the Nuggets, they're not going to hold Levine to 23 points. So I would look at that game against Denver um, on the road on March 19th as a good value. Um, outside of that, it's tough. Uh, all the road games, I would say, are honestly probably good bets besides Utah. Uh at Golden State, at San Antonio, and at Phoenix are three tough road games in a row. But the Bulls could win any three of those games or all three of those games. Um, you know, the Suns are a much, much better team. Uh, and the Warriors obviously have Steph Curry. But there's no reason the Bulls couldn't beat the Spurs, you know, the Warriors or the Suns in a random road game. Uh, the reason I say stay away from at Utah, just as a general rule of thumb, uh, don't bet against the Utah Jazz this season. Uh, it's just not worth it. They've been crushing it all year. And, you know, regular season, they've been ridiculous. So bet on the Jazz if you want. But as a general rule of thumb for this 2021 NBA season, uh, never bet against the Utah Jazz. So, um, yeah, as far as the Bulls, I would bet uh, Moneyline Bulls against Denver, um, against San Antonio, and then against Boston, just because I feel like the Bulls always uh, play well or try to play well against the Celtics. So, like I said, the general rule of thumb here is if you're betting on the Bulls uh, uh, for a money line perspective and looking for the best value, I'm looking for those road games against winning teams outside of the top two. Hmm. Um, and I think that's where you're hitting a sweet spot. I, I don't know. I would still, if I was betting, I would still be really tempted just to throw some money on Bulls against utah when utah comes to chicago just because i know the money line will be really tempting but yeah, yeah i mean actually that's a that's a better one now yeah. the bulls ironically like i said they've been better against the spread on the road um but at utah i would stay away from now you said yeah. when utah comes to chicago yeah that's on march 22nd um you know in the united center like you said if you got a little bit you know of money and you don't mind potentially you know taking the loss that's definitely not a bad bet because, again, who knows? You might get plus 520 odds at that point. Yeah. You know, you might put down five bucks and come away with, you know, <laughs> a lot of money depending on, you know, what those odds could be. But, again, the Utah Jazz have been monster this season. Uh, Wendell Carter has been playing better as of late. And as uh, you guys know, I'm a Wendell Carter truther. and <laughs> I'm always supporting him. But I really, really don't like him in a matchup against Rudy Gobert. So <laughs> that'll be tough. But uh, we'll, we'll see how they fare. Hmm. What are your thoughts on like a rule? It's not a thoughts, I guess I should say. More so rule of thumb on when you're betting on over under on, on betting basketball points totals. Uh, like, do you, do you favor going over more or under? Uh, obviously, when you have a lot of high scoring games more so nowadays um people tend to think you know 
it's going to be more over uh, more so I would imagine, right? Yeah. Um, what, what I would say is the, the under, I think in general, you know, is something you would look at this season just because of how weird it is. COVID-19 um, guys like Steph Curry randomly being out on a night and now his team is down, you know, they're out of 30 points essentially with Curry out of the lineup. Um, but basically, you know, outside of the injuries, again, the obvious thing, I would say general rule of thumb is just to look the under this year because of how weird the season has been. Um, but you've got to look the over depending on the matchup. Um, when it's two high-paced teams, I'm always looking, you know, over. Uh, if it's a really lopsided matchup, I'm looking over anytime the Cavs play the Nets. Um, I'm usually looking over because for some reason the Cavs have the Nets number uh, and they score a lot of points on them. And the Nets are also obviously in a historic offense. So, you know, again, it goes back to those trends. Like, again, I brought up Brooklyn, so that's a good place to start. Their offense, you, it doesn't take, you know, you don't have to be the biggest basketball fan in the world to see the Brooklyn Nets are going to put up a lot of points every night. Because of how explosive that offense is, you can bet the over almost every night to a super high number. I'm talking like 227 and a half, you know, 228. And you can almost still, you know, always hit it. Um, and it really just depends, you know, because like I said, the Nets are a great over-under team, but I believe they've been awful um, against the over-unders on the road. So again, it's like the Nets are one of the best scoring teams, but they're not scoring a lot when they're playing, you know, decent defensive teams and when they're going out of Brooklyn. So I would say as a general rule of thumb, play the under. Um, but something that I can say I know is happening this year is teams are coming back more than ever uh, from like 20-point deficits. We've seen the Bulls, I believe, do that this season as well. So totals are kind of hard to peg. I would say this year more than ever, the underdog um, is a very good bet when you're talking the spread. But as far as totals, I would usually just lean under unless you really got a good tip about the matchup. Um, a, a very normal, you know, thing that I see people do, um, if you're not a better, like you're a very novice better, you don't bet at all. And you just want to put some money on the total. People don't check the schedule. As I said, they just sort of look at the teams and they say, Oh, I'll take the over because the Lakers are playing the Clippers and it's LeBron and Kawhi, but they don't see the Lakers are on the second night of a back to back. And LeBron may only play 27 minutes or the Lakers may be tired and go to their bench unit more. And now you just lost yourself some money just because, you know, very public information that they're on a back-to-back. -back. Um, you didn't take that into account. So definitely, like I said, scheduling this season more than anything is the number one thing to keep an eye on. Because remember, we're talking about all these strategies and stuff. Something I've come up on this year that happens a lot is the game may get canceled altogether. <laughs> I thought I had a great bet, you know, on Bulls Raptors one night. And then I wake up, you know, the morning and find out the game is postponed. So this season has been very unusual because the game you're betting on may not even be there um, the next day. But like I said, you always really have to stay up to date with the, the news in terms of injury reports and scheduling more than usual because this is such a peculiar season. This isn't specifically related to betting, but what do you think about – it feels like now with sports and, of course, basketball specifically now, there are so many different – things going on the game with betting uh daily fantasy and now uh there's the nba top shot that has become a big thing as of, of late so like what do you think of just the evolution of 
all of these different ways people are 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 consuming sports and now you know betting and you know making money off cryptocurrency with the nba top shot so what do you think about that and how do you look at a nba top shot as well oh i think it's all awesome i mean the, the biggest thing about this stuff you know um on on episode 14 the latest episode of my podcast bullshit and uh, with Peter Bonello, we joked about Top Shot a lot, and you know we were we were talking uh, shit about getting Luke Cornett Top Shot moments <laughs> and, and reselling them on the market. So it's fun to make fun of just because it's so random and all over the place. Um, if you don't try to take the time to sort of understand it on the surface level, there. But what I'm getting at the the reason all this stuff is important it because is because excuse me it gets the younger generations very interested in the sport. Um, it gets them very excited. It gets kids, like you said, who love cryptocurrency. You can talk your ear off about, you know, Bitcoin and Dogecoin, but no, don't know a thing about the pick and roll. All of a sudden, you know, they're Miami Heat fans now because they got a Tyler Hero top shot moment, you know? So yeah. it's it's really just spreading the game in a different way. Um, and I think it's exciting. You know, top shot itself uh, is, is very interesting and it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of plays out. But Outside of even just Top Shot, um, you know, something as simple as player props are becoming big now. You know, player props have always been around. Um, in terms of player props, I mean, you know, uh, betting tonight is Lowry marketing going to have over or under seven and a half rebounds. Um, that was something that you could usually find in like offshore betting books, but not really like legal sports betting books. Now you can find player props almost anywhere and you can find player props for even college basketball. So Really, what we're seeing is there are so many different ways you can bet on sports now. Um, many websites and sports books are even allowing you to name your own bet, like just make up a bet yourself and make odds. And, you know, if they approve it, they allow you to put down a wager on it. Mm. Um, a lot of people are using the make your own bet for to, uh, for the all star you know, events because there's not a lot of places where you can necessarily bet on the all star uh, game and the events going on. So I just think really. Everything with sports betting is awesome. It's an, it's an explosion here that's going to keep going and just spread the, spread the game of basketball and the NBA specifically to the far reaches there. And once we get back in stadiums, you know, hopefully one day and, and everything's looking a little better here outlook-wise, uh, you will see a time where once we can live bet legally, you know, inside of stadiums, you'll be able to go to a Bulls game at the United Center, see how the Bulls do after the first quarter, you know, and bet the first half over under on your phone and then go grab a beer from the stands and come back for the third quarter. So, you know, we're entering a point where it's really going to be seamless with the ability to be on social media, be betting and even taking in a live sporting event at the same time. So I, I really think it's heading in a great direction where, you know, we're just promoting the game in every way possible and it's going to be overall good for the growth of the sport. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, any final thoughts or obviously please let our listeners know where they can follow you and any other things that you might be working on. Yeah, yeah, of course. So um, definitely first and foremost, shout out to the Action Network. Definitely, like I said, follow the Action Network on Twitter. Um, download the Action Network app and then follow me on Twitter at Zen Master Mike. Um, and then, like I said, Follow Bulls Confidential. Got a great team over there. Ryan Borja, our salary cap expert, has a great piece up. Um, and then uh, definitely go check out my podcast, which is called Bullshitting, Bullshitting, uh, with comedian Peter Bonello. 
Um, we talk about the Bulls and just pretty much kick back, have a chill time. Um, and on my way out, I do want to shout out Wendell Carter. <laughs> um, as I said, <laughs> he is my favorite player on the Bulls. And and though I still have some Michael Porter um, regret, I am happy the Bulls ended up with Wendell. And against the Pelicans, he didn't shoot well, uh, but he neutralized Steven Adams, had the highest plus minus on the team at plus 22, um, and really dominated the, uh, the boards. He had 15 rebounds. Uh, to go with four assists. So shout out to Wendell Carter. I really think he's starting to understand uh, what Billy Donovan needs his role to be on this team. Uh, and I think we're really going to see the Bulls uh, rely on Carter and Thad Young to hold down that interior defense down the stretch um, as they try to make the postseason. So, yeah, definitely excited for the Bulls. Like I said, follow me on Twitter at Zenmaster Mike. And thanks again for having me on, guys. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Edward, have any final words before we wrap up here? Yeah, uh, thanks to Michael for uh, joining us. Give him a follow. One of the best draft minds on Twitter. Uh, great Bulls fan. Uh, I'm with you, Wendell Carter Jr. I'm still on board. I think he's going to be a really good player. And it feels like once he stops, like it, it feels like once he stops consistently, like internalizing mistakes, it feels like he's really going to break out because we we've talked about it on here so much that it feels like he is such a confidence driven player. And when his confidence is altered in any sort of way it feels like his game just kind of tails off but we're seeing good signs lately since he came back and even though he's had some tough matchups uh Nikola Jokic I'm, you're not really going to stop him so hey if Jokic goes off against you it's whatever but he's been playing well and I'm hoping to see some big things from him uh down the stretch and he's got the perfect guy to learn from in Thad Young so yes. definitely happy about that absolutely Yes, hundred percent. Wendell still only twenty one. You know he'll he'll get it together. I think. I think like Edward said, he just needs to get out of his own head, and and stop internalizing and stop. You know, make forget like the last play. If you screwed up the last play, just forget it and move on. So that's that's gonna be the key with him. But you know that's a wrap for today's show. Don't forget to tune in every Tuesday morning, eight a.m. Central on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Radio Station. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can find us on all major and minor podcast platforms. And please subscribe and rate us a five on Apple Podcasts. Thank you again to Michael Walton for joining us and to the listeners for tuning in. And as always, for Edward Schuler and myself, till next time, Bulls fans. Peace.